Well, Bald Brian's going to join us in the show because we're doing a whole Oscar recap. I was, uh, <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what I did. Lots of Oscar stories to get to. And we'll do that right after this. From Corolla One Studios in Glendale, California, this is the Adam Corolla Show. Adam's guest today, Jillian Michaels. Plus, Bald Brian returns for a recap of last night's Oscars. And now, a man who is annoyed by everything, everywhere, all at once. Adam Carolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on the church. We're gonna make it get it on. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. Bald Brian in studio yeah. for a little Oscar recap. Chris good Max Zapata as well. Good to be back. Good hey to guys. see you. Good to have you. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, lots to get into. Um, What'd first you do? off, well, what? all were, right. Were you there? <laughs> no, I went to uh, Byron Allen's Oscar party, which was a big gala at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel in the Grand Trinon Room. Yeah. And I always love going to the Grand Trinon Room. Is that where they have the, the, the Golden Gloves? Or am I totally off on that? I don't know. Okay, sorry. I derailed you. Go ahead. That's all right. I'm not sure uh, I'm Not sure if they hold that. I don't think so, but I don't know. Okay. But the Grand Trinon, I've done Bob Saget's Scleroderma charity event there once. I've done a few events there. Uh, I always like it because uh, when I used to clean carpets for our fuss, um, that was one of our accounts. One of our accounts was the mm-hmm. Beverly Wilshire Hotel. We would do the Grand Trinon and we do the Pink Turtle, which was a diner, which is now where Cut is. Oh, wow. And Quite I, the upgrade. I love Cut. The problem so high, with, high, high in a steakhouse. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the problem with Cut is the very first time I went there years Wolf ago. Place. Yes, they offered this thing that was delectable. It was like this fresh seasonal corn shucked oh. right off the yeah, cob yeah, yeah, yeah. with the butter and the salt yes. and the pepper on the plate. That's what they offered. And I was like, <laughs> this is the most magnificent side I've ever gotten. You know, you go to the steak place, you get the cream spinach. Or even cream corn. Or cream corn, or you get the baked potato, or whatever. Mm. It's all fine, but it's not this. First time I went, that's what I got. Every single time I've been back, I'm like, I want that corn. They're like, out of season. Out of season. Out of yeah. season. Like, corn it, is out of season. Wolfgang's a purist, man. It's it just, it, it existed. It was the best side I've ever ordered at a steakhouse ever. Every time I go back, I go, that's what I want. And every time they're out of it. <laughs> wow. So uh, there's that. So now the Grand Trinon. Now the Grand Trinon is the big ballroom. And I used to clean their carpet. And we would be there from midnight to like five in the morning, just cleaning acres of carpet in this giant ballroom. And the juxtaposition between, you know, me at 18 and a half with the beat up van in the parking lot and uh, where they filmed Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. It, it was, you know, all the, the chairs with, uh, you know, the velvet upholstery Pat, and stuff. Patting on the arms. Patting on the arms. Like what events must take place here? But but not for me. <laughs> that, that, that I would be the poorest person ever enter this room. And I just stare at that shampoo or just cleaning for hours on end. So whenever I get to go back to the Grand Trinon 
it's always MacArthur returning yeah. to the Philippines. Nice. I always tell the person next to me at the table I'm eating at, and they go, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to them. But are you, are, you worthy, are, you, are you worried about the carpet now? Are you watching people eating? Tr- always like, an eye on the carpet. Yeah. Always. Once a carpet man, always a carpet it. man. It's like you never stop being a mother. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm that way with carpet. I'm with you. So uh, I'm sitting there, and um, I got uh, – it was all I could do to get Natalia into the Oscars sort of last minute. Well, what, what I did is I, I kicked the can down the road with the, uh, with the Oscars. I, so Natalia wanted to go to the Oscars. Um, I was like, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get that set up. But I wasn't really working on jokes or anything for the Oscars at that point maybe two, three weeks out. And so I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see if you can get a ticket. But I didn't want to ask for tickets uh, before I'd worked on it. I just felt weird. So I felt like uh, I wish more people would adopt that ethos. Yeah, like, you want to have wanna... some sort of spiritual exchange. Yeah, I don't want to ask for yeah. shit until I contribute something. Yeah. So um, at some point I talked to Jimmy, maybe at the Super Bowl party, few weeks out and i said um uh, about a month out and uh it was funny i was just sitting next to him on that sunday and i said uh one month one month or one month out and he's like from what and i'm like <laughs> oh the oscars and he was like oh yeah, yeah, what yeah an it's, a, it's a month from today so i said um i said um well why don't you, you know what do you need help with what what are we doing here what's the plan and he said, oh, I got all the jokes in the world. But what I do want is I'm just going to send you everything and then you mark it up. You tell me, you know, what you think of each joke. Put a number by it. So uh, Be a joke sommelier. Yeah. So he, he gave me a, a pile of jokes, uh, probably 30 pages of jokes. Uh, I'm, pe- I'm picturing physical pages. He sent over a file. They got printed yes. out. I took the file on the road, and when we were in Baltimore, I just sat down in the uh, lounge of the hotel we're at, and I just marked them all up. Rated them. Rated them. I I didn't really – I went from like six to nine. I didn't really – I didn't throw any twos in there. I didn't know which ones were Jimmy's jokes, you know. Um, I then uh, marked up 30 pages. I then – sat home, marked up the rest or something. Then I, I found myself sitting in my office. Now there, now we're like two weeks out of the Oscars. And I say to Jimmy, I got all these pages marked up. And he says, uh, good, thanks. You know, send them over. And I said, yeah, I will. And then uh, I went to uh, Sonny. And I said, Sonny, I got this big file here. Oh, your courier service. Yeah. How, how do I... <laughs> put a number on this file and then send it to, to Jimmy. And then he went, I don't know. So, um, oh, I told the story. Yeah. Someone's telling me. Yeah. Well, (laughs) then, yeah, it's the part where Natalia ran it, physically put it in a manila envelope and drove it to his house. Threw it over his fence. Threw it over the the uh, fence. Oscar ticket. Yeah. So then. uh, Who's credit as a writer last night? (laughs) Then I talked to. Jimmy, I don't know, week out or something, and uh, he said, um, "We, 
see. He said, uh, all right, now I, I got it pretty well locked off, but there could be some words or some changes or some tweaks or some, some things, and we need some Tom Cruise jokes, too. So um, I wrote some Tom Cruise jokes, and I you know tweaked a few things, and that, that I was able to do and send back in the file form. And then, um, then uh, I realized it was pretty much the day before the Oscars and I hadn't asked for a ticket for, for <laughs> you Natalia. You kind of close. Yeah. Under the line. yeah. Um, so, um, so I, I didn't want to bug Jimmy. So I hit up uh, Dixon, baby doll, but then baby doll looped Jimmy in. And the next thing you know, we got his assistant and everything. And I felt stupid <laughs> everyone's because getting involved now. everyone's getting involved now. And it's just to get Natalia an Oscar ticket. Uh, we're able to wrangle a ticket, uh, then lots of talk about the governor's ball. That was day of. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> I, saw, I, I saw a picture on social media of her on the, on the, on the uh, champagne carpet. She looked great. I oh. assume she had a great time. She had a great time. Sent me a picture of her and uh, Baby Doll and Jimmy uh, after the show. She sat with uh, Cleto and Jimmy Gentleman. Um, it, was so, it was funny. I was trying to text... Natalia was like, who am I sitting with? And I'm like, you'll be sitting with Cleto, the band leader. And then I wrote, I started to write, and Jimmy. And then I went, no, no, that's going to be confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I wrote, and Jimmy Gentleman. And I realized she's not going to make sense of that weird okay. too. E- yeah. either. I don't know who that is. That's Jimmy's best friend from the old okay. old school right. Nevada. A guy's name is Jimmy Gentleman. What and a he's name. a perfect gentleman. <laughs> And it's not an ironic nickname. So then I started mom. getting into, you're going to be sitting with Cleto and Jimmy Gentleman, who's Jimmy's friend. Okay. And then I realized uh, that's pretty wordy, too. Everybody so I just is. went, you're sitting with Jimmy's friends. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> Perfect. They'll, they'll shepherd you around. So uh, evidently they did. Now, I went to Byron Allen's and we're walking the red carpet. And uh, I was walking the red carpet. You got to talk to CBS. You got to talk. But at some point at the end of the carpet, you just get the goofball dude with the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and it's I've been at the yes, end of the carpet. Yes. Something you've never yeah. heard of. And so we're standing Pam there from Wow News. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. This is Bob from Wow News. And, you know, they never know what they're doing because they go, hey, it's Bob from Wow News. And I'm standing with. And then they put the mic in your face because they don't know who you are either. And it's way too much work for them to commit your name to memory before the show starts. So you always tell when they push the mic over to your face. Yeah. That just means uh, lack of prep. But anyway. Professionalism dwindles as you move down the carpet. Right. But now I'm standing there e with CBS or Bob of Wow News. And I can hear the Oscar starting from inside of the ballroom, which is up on many megatron uh screens and now i'm like all right move it along because i want to see the monologue i want to know what jokes made the cut i want to know if my got my tom cruise joke in there for you that's like most people wait for best picture like you want to see the opening monologue it's all about the monologue for me. So I'm standing there, and I oh, I got to talk to one more guy. This guy's Sam from Pow News. He needs, and I'm standing here with, and he's holding the mic, and I'm like, I'm hearing that it is started. Jimmy's out there. I want to know what the hell's going on out there. So I force my way through, and then I stand there, and I probably caught the second half of it. 
Sadly, uh, lots of laughs. Monologue went great. It was great. Yeah. It was a great monologue. Lots of laughs. At least the half that I saw. I could just (laughs) barely hear the first half. First half was great, too. It was all backloaded with jokes. (laughs) The, uh, yeah. And I, I don't, I don't even, I didn't get a chance to see the first half yet, even. So I didn't, I, I don't know. I saw the second half. Um, then, uh, then we sat down and I walked into the place and, and they were like, you're table seven and get your bracelet from. And I was like, I'm just going to stand off to the side and watch the monologue. But people kept coming up to me going, your table is over here. And I'm like, just leave me alone. I'm just going to stand here next to the wine cart and watch the monologue. <laughs> Coincidentally, next to the wine cart. I want to know how these jokes are going. And, uh, and so at some point. I sat down and um, I spot uh, Dave Winfield. Oh, hard hard to miss. Hard to miss. Although when he's sitting, he looks That's pretty pretty point. normal. He's uh, Dave Winfield is was a Yankee slugger, probably in the Hall of Fame. He is. He uh, drafted by the Padres, and I think in either football or basketball, he was like a multi sports star. You know, as yes. a young man, yeah, time yeah. All Star. 12-time All-Star. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone recognized him, but I walked up to him. And uh, I regaled him with this uh, story that uh, was it was very – it was kind of funny because I, I was watching Jimmy up at the Oscars at the same time I was looking at Dave Winfield. At the same time, I was thinking about that story – from many years ago, when uh, Jimmy and I played in the at uh, Comiskey Park, where the White Sox play for the Hollywood MTV Rock and Jack, I don't know All Star Game, okay. celebrity All Star before the All Star Game. I don't know, Chris, look it up. the The Major League Baseball All Star Game must have been played in Chicago in like. 2004 or something. I, I can't I can't quite recall. Maybe it was even earlier. Well, if it was but, you and Jimmy, it would have been Mancho era, right? So like 99 to 01, 02? Well, we, we, had, we were like separate celebrities at some point. Okay. We, we, we might show up to a thing just because he got invited and I got invited. Okay. 2003. 2003. Right. And so there we were, and we got to the ballpark, and uh, that was the one I, I was – playing out in left field at night. And that's why I was kind of told you guys about the, the kind of pressure of having a big crowd and routine flies aren't you routine anymore. I robbed run. Brian McKnight. But, but I was just telling that story, but I was, I remember sitting in the dugout and I said, uh, the pitcher for our team was the miniature girl from the little petite blonde from the bachelor from okay. the first I think the first year of The Bachelor, whatever her name was. It's just this little miniature blonde person. Well, they always take the chicks and they make them pitch, which is horrible strategy because it adds an hour and 45 minutes to every game because they can't find the plate. That's horrible for a lot of reasons. Number one, comebackers. Number comebackers. two, a lot of infield action in those uh, softball games. Right. They need to lose them out in right field, but don't shove them. <laughs> yeah. Don't pitch them. So... She's pitching. So I say to Jimmy, um, man, if, if Dave Winfield connects with this softball, which is pretty hard, and hits a comebacker, he's going to kill her. 
with she'll that ball. She'll disintegrate. She'll disintegrate. She'll she'll go up like when the big unit hit that yeah, bird. The bird, that's just right. Poof. Just poof. Oh, it's just oh, going to oh. be. All we're going to see is a poof, and it's going to be blonde hair slowly coming <laughs> back down to the ground. Just a cloud strands. of blonde, and then back to the ground. And that's that. We'll put a plaque in front of the mound. And so I said to Jimmy, um, he's going to kill her if he hits a comebacker. And then Jimmy said, the pros, they don't take full swings. And I said, um, I don't know. Uh, I, these guys are athletes. They have one mode. There's 30,000 people watching. Yeah. They're not choking up. <laughs> they are taking full cuts. And and he's like, ah, no, they're not. You know, they're just here for fun. They're, gonna, they're just going to choke up, take half swings or whatever. I was like, Okay. I was playing left field. Dave Winfield came up. He hit the fucking ball so hard that I didn't even step back as the left fielder. I just watched this softball. Just they'd set up the medium fence. You know, it was 60, 80 feet in front of the actual fence because it was a softball game. Uh, I was standing out in left field. You know, Dave Winfield comes up. I move back. I'm standing about 20 feet from the fence. He hits the ball. I don't even move. Obliterated. I just look up, and and this thing thing goes way over the short term fence, and like hits the warning track, yeah. and one hops the actual fence. He hits the ball 327 That's feet. That's a real sign of disrespect to your pitcher, right? So I was like, anyway. So I take a. Uh, I take a picture of Dave Winfield. So I go over to Dave Winfield's table. Yeah, last night. And I say to him, I got to tell you this story. And he's like, I don't fuck around, man. Put that bat in my hand. I'm swinging. I said, you're goddamn right you did. And uh, and he's a six foot five professional athlete. Yes. He's going to mash the ball. So he crushed. I tell him that story and he has a a laugh. Um, Then I decide to conduct an experiment, which is. If I send Jimmy a text during the Oscars about Dave Winfield, will he get back to me while the Oscars are still still going? It's quite, ex- it's quite an experiment you want to run mid-Oscars. Oh, yeah. Totally, because Jimmy is a guy who is fastidious when it comes to communication. Like, I've emailed a couple of times in the past, little on me. He gets back to me right away. It's one or two words, like, fuck off, lose my email, whatever it is. Yeah. But it's, you know, he, he's very uh, quick on, yeah. the, uh, on, on the communication. Yeah, Dr. Drew's the same way. It's a, it's a habit I see with certain people. Yes, I don't possess that gene, but Jimmy does. But will he do it during the Oscars? So I first experimented a little bit earlier in the day. It was like, one thirty, and the Oscars are at five. I know he's there. I know he's getting into his tuxedo and stuff. But I, so I send him a text. I'm like, the jokes are great. They're strong. Don't worry about the jokes. Like they're great jokes. Uh, you're gonna crush it. Love you, buddy. And I write, don't reply. Just telling you. Jokes are good. I'm thinking about you. Really your nice. eyes only. He yeah. writes back 10 seconds later. <laughs> Love YouTube. I said, oh. okay, that's sweet. That's sweet. So now I'm curious. Does he respond during the Oscars and with uh, Dave, Dave Winfield? What do you think, Brian? I say yes. I say there, there was actually a lot of downtime for Jimmy. The first hour of the show after the monologue, I don't think I saw yeah. him once. But you think he's checking his phone? Yes. I well now you got to go get my phone or some <laughs> Dawson or Ben go run and grab my phone because I think it was 
after that first hour. Okay. As I even better. As I <laughs> as I as I recall. But um anyway, so now Thank God you guys sat and watched the Oscars because uh, people were eating, people were talking. I was, my sure. back was whatever. Hard. Yeah, that's Thank not an environment you. to really study what's going on. No, I, I literally missed half the monologue talking to uh, Pound News, and then I <laughs> sat down and had people talking to me the whole time, and uh, I, I really, I really missed, I really missed a good chunk of it. So you guys can. Uh, can break it down. I'm turning my phone on, but we'll find it. But, Brian, you can tell us your sort of overall thoughts. Yeah, let me just recap real quick. Chris, maybe Chris has the info, but I actually wrote this down, so I should read it. Uh, it was a, it was a great night for uh, everything ever all at once. Seven wins at the Oscars. A true sweep. They won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Directors in this case, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor. Screenplay and editing all went to everything everywhere all at once. The third film to ever win three acting Oscars in the same year after A Streetcar Named Desire and Network. Uh, and uh, the first film since West Side Story to have a duo win Best Directors. Huh. I can keep going. Keep going. Uh, it was a, uh, of course, Brendan Fraser won Best Actor. Uh, we should talk about that because I think last time I was here when I talked about or mentioned that he was uh, a slight favorite, you said you hoped he would win because he would be a great blubbering crier. Yeah, uh, he was. He was, yeah. he was a good blubbering crier. And a uh, fun fact, uh, the uh, production company A24, which makes a lot of Oscar movies, a lot of really good movies, uh, won all four acting categories because they produced The Whale and they produced uh, Everything Ever All at Once. Yeah, A24 had a really big year. That, that's like the new indie powerhouse. They've been right? making, yeah, they're the new Miramax, uh, you know, fr- from the 90s. They're, they've been churning out quality films for probably close to a decade now. And uh, All Quiet in the Western Front outperformed four Oscars, including Best International Feature. Yeah. Uh, themes this year, I guess, unlikely winners, comeback stories. There were some uh, real good, real nice feel-good stories. You know, Brendan Fraser, of course, <laughs> our Best Supporting oh, Actor. Sorry. No, I got ahead. the text. Okay. I meant to text <laughs> Dixon. Okay. This. <laughs> so I wrote, Dave motherfucking Winfield, have fun <laughs> sucking Spielberg's dick. And then, uh, but I sent that to Jimmy. Okay. He sent a picture, I assume, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then he wrote, ha, 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 please tell Dave. I said, hello. During hello. the Oscars. Well, I don't know how to do, how do you do the time? Yeah, you pull it. Just it. pull it. Crystal do the time. Okay, so let's see here. Yeah, you, so you send him that picture at 6.28 p.m. Pacific. Prime time. Yeah. And he wrote back. At seven oh five PM Pacific. Oh, that, that is that is said, that's prime oh. time in the Oscars right there. Yeah, even we're right, barely two hours in. I meant to send that to Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he's on his wow. phone. I would not be on my phone if him. I were if I were him. But that's part of his uh, process. He's relaxed, and uh, I thought he just absolutely crushed it. Yeah, he did. So so his monologue was excellent. The, so the show, by the way. Ran like three and a half hours long. It was long. It was like, a long show. Back, back to classic times. Yeah. At the beginning of the show, Kim was like, look, we're including every category this time. We're not right. leaving anyone out and doing a previously awarded. Well, because infamous, it wasn't, yeah, infamously last year, they, they had taken some of the uh, lesser um, celebrated categories and done them before the Oscars. Yeah. And then air, you know, aired the highlight, essentially, during the ceremony. Felt a little clunky. I'm glad they came to their senses. Right. Yeah. It, it, uh. 
I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, good. You know, we should we should honor these people and celebrate them for. Yeah, their Oscar is the same as you know, exact same as Fraser's Oscar. But then as the show's going, I was like, hey, this again, kind of long. There's a lot of there's a lot of categories here. Twenty three categories presented live on air. Wow. But what what I like is they doubled up on some right. Same presenters just hit one speech. Oh yeah. Go to the next one. Um, so Kimmel, he, uh, by the way, the whole thing started with, uh, with this montage of movie clips and then went into Top Gun, but which is that the best theme to just hype you up? The that's a real oh, windfall yeah. of cash oh, for that God. guy who wrote that song. Was yeah. Tom Cruise not ago. there? No, he no, wasn't. And there. he was actually, uh, Kimmel said something about that. Uh, yeah, I remember I wrote like nine Tom Cruise jokes and I was there. Yeah, really the good. last minute thing. The, the news broke that he wouldn't be there. Right. Yeah, I think we thought he was going to be there. He did, do, he did do a joke. He said something about the, the beaching in Top Gun. He said, oh, L. Ron Hubba Hubbard. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. That. that was funny. Yeah, yeah. I got a big laugh. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a lot to get to. So we'll take a quick break and we'll get uh, into it, including... Uh, a joke, a bit Ooh. that we had on this show that kind of got made, made it into the uh, Oscars. We'll do that right after this. And now Alcoa presents Definitely Not a Jew on the Adam Carolla Show. Dateline, Clearwater, Florida. A 44-year-old woman was arrested for domestic battery after an argument in which she hit her husband with a plate of spaghetti. Definitely not a Jew. All right, back with Bald Brian, Max Power, doing our Oscar roundup roundtable. Um... And we can go through uh, Brian's thoughts, Chris's thoughts. Yeah. Um, so, it, as I said, it opened with the Top Gun thing. Kimmel parachutes in, or they made this contraption where it looked like he parachuted down onto the stage. Oh, There's a flyover. Um, there was there's a live, a live flyover, flyover yeah. which is kind of cool. Oh, really? Like a yeah. sporting event. Yeah, wow. over, over, right over the theater. And, they, yeah, they cut to it outside. Um, the monologue was great. As, as I said, we went over some of the jokes. The big jokes were uh, addressing the slap from last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, here's here's a little bit of... Kimmel uh, addressing that. Uh, want you have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So <laughs> we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor. That's good. Really good. Always good to give us at the Oscars. And I mean, permitted like to give too. a 19-minute long speech. <laughs> So yeah, good. that's a great joke. Yeah. yeah. So, so and then uh, by the way, the best jokes are always true. They yeah, have to be yeah, true. Yeah, that totally. was one hundred percent true. I, what I, happened? I don't know if you have it, Chris, but he, he tagged that joke with a great one about like perhaps he'll even hug the assailant. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's then, a nice tag. Yeah, yeah, and then he went on saying like he, about the crisis team we talked about, but he used all the actors in the like oh yeah Michael B Jordan's Creed and Michelle Yao mm-hmm. who will kick your ass too and Guillermo. So um, so that was that, the monologue excellent. Just classic, roasty, um, address people in the crowd. And, uh, yeah, it seems super comfortable up there. So yeah. Yes. I wonder how Jimmy's a seasoned performer who's hosted a late-night talk show since 2003 or whatever it's been. I w- Adam, do you think 
there is a even and the Oscars, the Oscars, right? Like by, by the time you get to year three, are you a little more settled in as a little more not routine, but you know what I mean? You've got your groove, you know, you know, the beats, you know, the rhythm, whatever it is, because you yeah. seem especially not that he ever felt uncomfortable, but he felt he felt especially comfortable. If that makes sense. Very these. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two parts of of doing an event. One part is. You have to stand there and then you have to deliver and you have to, you know, your timing and the, the jokes and, and all that. Yeah. Um, then the other part is just a familiarity. Like, where where are we? What do I do? Where do I turn? Like, there's just a part that is – it's like driving a rental car, which is like I'm driving Natalia's car now. I turn my car in and – her, 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 this Mercedes has the gear shift up on the console. Oh, yeah. Christy does too. You got to like click it. Up and yeah, down. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm driving down the freeway at 60 miles an hour. I think I'm turning the wipers, well, wipers on, on and I'm putting thing. the thing in neutral yes. and I'm like, yes. I'm hosting. It's terrifying. It's terrifying <laughs> because I think I'm going to throw it in reverse at 65 and the, the transmission is just going to yeah. blow out of the exhaust pipe. But what did the Germans have in mind? I Yeah, they're trying to kill us. Uh, I, <laughs> but again. there's a muscle memory <laughs> yeah. part of things that is a all I can tell you is. I get in a taxi car. I know how to drive. I'm fine with how to drive. I'm not so familiar where I've put it into neutral a few times trying to. It's been nonstop rain. So I keep I think I'm turning the wipers on. I'm not turning the wipers on. I'm putting the car in in neutral. So there's that part of Mm -hmm. it, which doesn't mean I don't know how to drive. It means I don't really know this Mm -hmm. car. But then at a certain point, after you drive this car for a number of miles, now you know the car and you already knew how to drive. So now I think with Jimmy, you're seeing him go, now I know the car. And that's why. Mm. And all the prep like that leads into it, Just a, it's a labyrinth of yeah, halls and rooms and sure. elevators and stuff behind. Like just literally finding the, the stage and, bolts, and just yeah. the nuts and the bolts of it. So I think he's completely f- comfortable with it yeah. now. And it's funny because he's not a stand-up comedian, but he's totally comfortable, obviously, standing there. He's also a guy that if you put it in the prompter, he will deliver it. Mm-hmm. And he he knows that. And and some people are not good with the prompter. He's very good with the prompter, always has been. Yeah. So, Question for you then. So I, I <coughs> as objectively as I can, I think Jimmy's hosted three times really well, each time better than the last is it weird that like your friend, you know, your personal friend is now up there with some of the best Oscar host? Like you know, Billy Crystal's probably the best modern day, you know, example of Oscar host. I think Jimmy's as good as it gets these days. I'd like to see him host in perpetuity. He's Same. really good. I would too. And he, but that's it, surreal though. But the, but the <laughs> thing, the thing about Jimmy is he brings a work ethic that most comedians don't have and because uh, he's not a comedian so to speak you know he's a worker so the but he has prep, a unique skill which is the the hosting the late night show yes. deliver the joke you know yes traffic cop this do that but the this. prep is where he yeah. really excels the bits and the ideas and and all that and uh yeah he picked good jokes i mean i would say percentage wise like he, he batted well, well over 500 you know what the proof is 
every year after the Oscars, it's just a, a, a you know on social media, it's a, it's a litany of oh that sucked, oh this was lame, oh you know next year I got to change it up. I haven't seen a single one of those aside from, aside from maybe people who are a little more invested in a narrative. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it doesn't seem like the general public has that uh, reaction. No, and I agree with that. Yeah, everyone seemed to love it. Yeah. Um, so the yeah. the end of the monologue. So as I said, he he said the show is going to be kind of long because we're doing all the categories. So we're going to need all these acceptance speeches to really keep it moving. Right. And so we have the clip of him at the end of the the monologue, kind of explaining that and what they're going to do. That oh, yeah, doesn't mean we don't want to hear you speak. We do. We want your speeches to be moving. We also want to keep it moving. So speech goes on too long. This year, we're not going to play you off stage. Instead, we have a group of performers from the movie RRR who are going to dance you off stage. If you go too long, we're going to Bollywood gong show your ass. So let's get this going. Please welcome our first presenters of the night, Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. I like they're actually pushing them. Yeah. I didn't even know what that bit was, but... uh, You haven't seen RRR, have you? No, no, is it a pirate movie? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, no, <laughs> I pirated R It's uh, it's a fun movie. It's long. It's three hours plus, but it's a fun movie. Is so, it a Bolly- Bollywood yeah, movie? It's not technically. I don't think it's oh. whatever. It's an Indian film. Yeah, but they- I, yeah. So I sent Jimmy my "You Should Do Ranchero Music" uh, bit. What do we have that bit somewhere? Or we were talking yeah. about I don't know a month ago or something, which was. Uh, when was this? This is a month ago. Yeah, January seventeenth, sixteenth. Yeah, so what's yeah, the date today? Ago. Over a month ago. A month and a half. Two months month ago. The default should just be ranchero music. That's it. Or shut the mic, like they used or to just the shut old, it. in the old days. Yeah, they just shut it off. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Oh, all right. Well, I thought we'd have Next some music back. and all right. stuff. Check out the Water Cooler Podcast, please. All right. I know everyone always thinks I'm kidding about everything. <laughs> if you did ranchero music, the audience would look forward to it. It'd be funny. It would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. It'd, it'd, it'd be kind of become like Night at the Apollo with the Sandman. Yes. Like, um, a guys, drinking game at home. Yeah, like the guy's fucking up the song and he comes out there with the broom, you know. You'd like you'd kind of hope some it. blowhardy celebrity went long. You never know right? when it's going to come. Yeah. The gong show. That's right. The gong show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then there'd be prop bets like Jodie Foster's three to one for ranchero music. You know, she wins, <laughs> oh. right? You'd have to pick blowhardy celebrities. <laughs> Susan Sarandon may be an odds-on favorite. Like she's even money for the ranchero music if she wins the thing. If she wins the the statue for the lesbian nun movie. There's <laughs> Vegas says it's a coin toss whether yeah. we get the ranchero music or not. This will certainly be a fun pitch for you to pitch Jimmy for the Oscars then. Oh, yeah. write that down. Yeah, that's good. From your mouth to God's ears. All right, you can go to AdamCrow.com. All right. You yeah. want to just realize Didn't we play the music somewhere in that well, clip? No, we, we talked about it. Uh, yeah, that's where you initially came so up. So I was like, uh, yeah, so, oh, we played it the next day, I think. Yeah. So I I did pitch it to him. And then he sent me back the RRR thing. And he's like, we're already doing it. Uh. Or some. Some, some version. version of it. Yeah, he always kind of addresses that, right? I remember like one time he said, oh, shortest speech, you get this jet ski. That's right. That's right. They're offering like, you know, prizes. minimal prizes <laughs> yeah. for yeah. millionaires. Yeah. The problem with playing off, the problem I real—I just realized this now, is that 
I don't know if you guys saw this. They played off maybe three or four people, but they never play off the blowhard celebrities. The, like the, the, yes. the people who are, you know, uh, going on and on. They let them go on and on. They, they, they play off the documentary filmmaker or the person who did the short animated movie. It's like this is their once in a lifetime opportunity to get on this stage yeah. and, and, and be at the Oscars. And they're playing them off. And it's like they like whoever else go on forever. I have some of those clips, actually, because. A lot of those groups, it's more than one person coming up for the Oscar. So if you are in a group winning an yeah. Oscar, be the first Never person be the second. that speaks. Because no. if you're oh, the second, yeah. you're walking up to that mic, you get the first three yep. words and before they cut it off. Because they were that happened swift more than once. and cunning with the playoff music and muting that microphone. Yeah, they clipped a few. Yep. Now it's time for my partner. We made this talk. The hair and makeup like lady boom. got cut yeah. off. That few That's people right. did. Yeah. Do we yeah. have that? Yeah, we, uh, let's see the whale girl getting played off because... Uh, from uh, um, I think that was the hair and makeup. Oh, hair and makeup. Yeah, yeah. they won for hair and makeup. Did uh, all right. Well, we'll find that find that clip. Yes, and and uh, that. Oh, here, here we go. Our producer, the studio A twenty four, and the academy. Thank you so much. So he's been going on for yeah. thirty seconds. All right. Here comes girl number two. Thank you, Darren. The music. Uh, <laughs> brutal. When is she ever going to be up there again? Elephant whisper. Same thing. Right. That's so me. A short fucking uh, documentary. This is terrible. I would. I, is it work? I mean, is it better to get clipped right at the top or <laughs> give let her get f- ten seconds in and then clip, clip her? her at like, the top? The top yeah. yeah. If you're if you're midway through and you're about to say That's your brutal. kids' names, oh. and you get clipped. But yeah, the elephant whisperer one is pretty good too. And the in memoriam. Uh, had Lenny Kravitz. I was like, Ugh, I liked is, it. This is real. You didn't like, you didn't like no, that I thought it was good. Oh, I thought it was good. I just, there's something about Lenny Kravitz that I hate. <laughs> number <laughs> one. This is the most I, I, I've ever liked him. I just hate him. Yes, it's the most I've ever liked him. And number two, the in memoriam with the dude wearing the blackout shades mm-hmm. and the nose ring, I don't know, feels too hip. Too hip. Like, like this is. I, it's sort of like saying, "Look, you know, when you when you go to the wake or the funeral, or whatever, you, you got to toss on a black suit. You know, and you, you can't show up in your uh, Clippers hoodie. Like it, it just doesn't. This is like it's not really appropriate. Like I, Lenny Kravitz didn't have to be Lenny Kravitz out." For that, yeah. you know, like leather pants, dark glasses, who, who, whatever. If he's presenting, maybe, but maybe. not anymore. Yeah, the memoriam, I, I kind of want him in just a black suit. I thought that was subtle for Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was just sunglasses. It's black. It was like a black outfit, black piano, really dark stage. It wasn't really focused on him. Did he have the... Did he have the nose hoop in, oh, yeah, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. what he's wearing when he was played, too? Prominently displayed. Yeah. Shirt undone, giant crucifix. I, that's I don't pretty know. subdued for Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, that's Lenny. That's mournful Lenny. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, the dudes with the nose hoop or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, but maybe we're talking the, the performances. So that was, yes, I actually that really was enjoyed that performance. Just the piano, yes. bass player. A little, mm. It was kind of a groove. The In Memoriam was beautiful. Um, do you see John Travolta introing it? Yeah, well, Ooh, that, one, that one hit pretty yeah. hard. Let's watch that. Well, because... The first person I think on there was Olivia. Of course, John, yeah. Right? So this is so John Travolta presented the in memoriam, and here's him getting a little choked up. They've touched our hearts, they've made us smile, and became dear friends, who we will always remain hopelessly devoted to. Uh, I got the chills again. Yeah. Yeah. So and then Lenny Lenny went on to play. Um, you Adam, want- talk about Travolta's sexuality being burdensome. <laughs> 
worms. I always still forget alive, that word. Still alive with that. <laughs> I forgot the word burdensome. <laughs> yes, I announced that once. Well, I, though I forgot about it immediately, but, but Paul Bryan never <laughs> has. so much. Well, speaking of uh, In Memoriam, just a couple of snubs that, of course, Brian always likes the uh, who was left out. And mm-hmm. Hayes, right? And Hayes. Famously, yeah. Tom Sizemore. Even he just died? He just died. Well, yeah. we'll get to that in a second. And Paul Sorvino left off. Oh, oh shit. That's, that's a Paul? big what? one. What? No, pun intended. That's a heavy one. Yeah. So those three those three left off. And then Kimmel made a really good Robert Blake joke, which, oh, which I loved. So before we get to that, do you guys, speaking of fat guys blubbering, do you guys remember when Mira Sorvino won for Best Supporting Actress? Yes. And Paul Sorvino was a mess. A he was mess. Like blubbering yeah. tears. Oh, that was like... Italian Papa at his, oh, at his so at the height of his power. Beautiful tribute. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. didn't mean yeah. to derail. Well, no, it's okay. Please. So, uh, so this is Kimmel addressing the Robert Blake passing. Now it's time for the interactive part of the show. And everybody, please get out your phones. Even at home, it's time to vote. If you think Robert Blake should be part of the in memoriam montage. <laughs> <laughs> Text gimme a Blake to the number on your screen or to any number. Text that to your mother if you like. Message and data rates may apply. All right. Beautiful. From Glass yeah, Onion, that's it. please that was how, That's Janelle. all. That's how they addressed it. it. So, but what is the cutoff for the in memoriam? Like, so wait, Sizemore wasn't in there. Correct. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a cutoff because I've seen people who've died Been pretty late. Pretty late, and yeah. they, they make in, sure they're in. Someone. In the last three years, died like a week before the Oscars, and they got him in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were able to make it happen. So uh, it might have been more about Sizemore's circumstances, which is too bad because he was great in some great yeah. movies. Like if Brad Pitt died three hours before the Oscars, he there. would be yeah. in that in memoriam. I don't. Uh, I yeah. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, is there a length issue with the song? I. I mean, there's always publicists you've never heard of and sound yeah. engineers. And they double up on some yeah. of the slides, too. They can so you can do that. You can right. make it work. Um, it's just people get overlooked. I mean, a lot of people die. So. Yeah, but I mean, Sizemore <laughs> missing, missing was in some guys. great movies. And they're in the news. So if you are in charge of this In Memoriam segment and you see on your Twitter feed the number one trending topic is Tom Sizemore just died, you should think, yeah. oh, I got to add that guy in. Well, how does uh, Paul Sorvino not make it? That's shocking to me, actually. Normal, I, I could have predicted in age because she died under you know the circumstances that she died under and all that stuff. Paul Sorvino was a kind of a legend of the game. Yeah, his his widow demands an apology. Mm. Wow, for leaving him out. Yeah. From Kimmel, really yeah, for, <laughs> for Lenny Kravitz, <laughs> Lenny Kimmel, John Travolta, anyone involved. <laughs> yeah, Lenny Kimmel, that would be the ultimate host. Rock and roll. Hmm? Lenny Kimmel. I don't know who that there, is. I just made the ultimate rock and roll. There was, a, there was a prop bet floating around that I actually put just a little bit of money on. Uh, will someone trip and fall on their way to the podium? Almost. And uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. But there's every year someone kind of stumbles. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that could happen. Elizabeth Banks, very close. Because yes, yeah. I read the fine print. They got to fall to their knee. To, in order to pay off. Uh-huh. Yes, it touched ground. Yeah, she recovered fast enough. got to go Kaepernick. I know, seriously. But uh, yeah, Elizabeth Banks almost uh, made that one pay off. I texted, uh, I didn't text, but in my, we're trying to write these, uh, Tom, there was a segment where Jimmy wrote, uh, I need some like Tom Cruise looking, looking so young at 60. Mm-hmm. 
jokes, you know. And uh, maybe I'll pull it up, find it tomorrow. But I I wrote one which is like, uh, you know, Tom Cruise looks amazing, 60 years old. Um, I didn't know Interview with a Vampire was a documentary or stuff stuff like that. But one I wrote, I wrote uh, Tom Cruise, man, the guy's. The guy's sixty. He looks like he's he's forty, and uh, Tom Brady. Uh, the guy's like forty five. It looks like he's thirty. Uh, what's what's with these Toms? You got Tom Sizemore. Oh, forget it. <laughs> Too soon. Oh, yeah. So I knew he wasn't going to do it, but once in a while, I'd write him a joke that just goes, "That's eh, just for you." Yeah, uh, and I'd love. To, I can't wait to hear those too. So we'll get those in the next show. Um, let's see. So also performances. So I I loved uh, I love the RRR performance. Brought down the house. Yeah. Uh-huh. The the dance. You, did you see that at least the all the dancing? It's like probably the biggest production of the of the performances. Oh, yeah. probably it's saw it. I, I could have been talking to Winfield. Oh, well, people, yeah, probably, a lot of people tune out during the performances. I know they're they're not usually very good. But I I thought that was good. I thought Lenny's was good. I liked Lady Gaga's performance. Very casual. Very. Like she was courageous. She wasn't courageous. wearing makeup. Right, no right. makeup. Mm. Yeah, it was almost too casual. It was jarring how, how <laughs> casual. It looked. Well, because she showed up jeans. to the thing in like a full on gown, right. and now so here she, she has changed into ripped jeans and a t shirt. She had mm-hmm. to wash off her makeup, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then Rihanna's performance I thought was all right. It was, I mean Didn't nothing. Care. Yeah, I mean she's just coming off of the big Super Bowl performance, so it's kind yeah. of interesting mm-hmm. how, how she went on. And uh, oh, by the way, we have to talk about Thames. Right. Who is what? Thames is a Nigerian singer songwriter who okay. is also part of the uh, uh, Wakanda Forever okay. mm-hmm. soundtrack, and mm-hmm. she was making a lot of waves too because she wore this, oh, this, this beautiful, is the woman. this beautiful white gown with uh, this head, this headdress on it. Um, it's a uh, from Laver Kosher. Please tell Couture. me you noticed this. This mm-hmm. is something it's you would notice. Yeah. So she had a headpiece wrapped around the back of her head. Well, here, let's just. Start. This doesn't look as, as sharp. But show the audience. Yeah. Show. Well, go go to the next picture, guys. Just you just scroll through them here. So look at this. It's it. I mean, everyone thought on the red carpet, this is stunning. It is. It's, it's beautiful. It, it really isn't. But now, here's her sitting down. <laughs> she wore this the whole ceremony. Oh, whoever sat behind yeah. her was yeah. screwed, right? In fact, right? Here, let's go to Kimmel talking to Malala, because uh, this is uh, this is Kimmel trying to do a bit with, uh, sure. with one of the nominees. She and wore you can, that you can the whole time. Oh, Jesus but, and Christ. And this bit's pretty great, too, so let's just watch it. Thank you so much. Great to have you here, and congratulations on your movie. This question is from Joanne Nicolaitis in Brooklyn, New York. She asks, your work on human rights and education for women and children is an inspiration. As the youngest Nobel Prize winner in history, I was wondering, do you think Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? I only talk about peace. <laughs> That's, you know what? That's why you're Malala and nobody else is. Handled it gracefully. Good job, Kim. <laughs> funny, but, but, yeah. but anyway, so everybody's watching. Like, so everybody's paying attention yeah. to Thames in the back. And she, I mean, every time they cut to the audience, stood out like a like a sore thumb, a, a big sore white thumb. And uh, there's this really funny clip that's been going around too. You can see the girl behind her just peeking, peeking there, like just trying to get a glimpse yeah, of what's the going stage. On? <laughs> oh, so brutal. Now that's inconsiderate, right? That's wildly crazy. inconsiderate. And this. Well, I'm curious what you think, but I have said, and Brian even remembers, like since Loveline mm. days, when we, whenever I used to tell this to David Allen Greer all the time, I'd go, "Look, for every racist in this country, there's like 
a hundred people bending over backwards not to seem racist and going the extra mile where they wouldn't have done it. If this was just some white bitch with that thing on, somebody would have fucking told her, hey, man, you got to take that shit off. Now, if the person behind her didn't say it, then somebody behind them or the person, uh, an usher. A director. Like somebody would have went, hey, baby, sorry, put it on your lap. You can put it back on during the commercial or you put it on when you leave. Like somebody would have tapped her on the shoulder. Now, there is... There is a the 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 uh, the chick behind her is just this meek white chick who does not want to come across as anything sure. other than the most accepting and tolerant ever. So she's not going to say it. I'm convinced if that was a white chick in front, that white chick behind her would have like tapped her on the yeah. shoulder and said, Excuse "Hey, can, can yeah. just no. put that down." But that's great for she's the carpet. Wakanda princess, and that's a fucking hate crime yeah. if you do that. And so it doesn't. But I'm just saying. There are a lot of these instances where people feel bad, don't want to be accused of anything, and actually don't say anything when they yep, yep. when they rate when they would. My one percent version of that is I was going to tweet something about who is this crazed narcissist, and I'm like, what if she's like a really celebrated person, and like <laughs> I got a bunch of shit for this. Yeah, well, I mean, and how do you not have that self-awareness that you're yeah, wearing this huge thing? Like, the person crazy. behind you is not going to see anything. I, But see, I think there's an element, and I've seen this a lot. Yeah, I was at the Lakers game and had the guy with the huge afro in front of me. I couldn't. <laughs> but at, at least, least that's a, at least that was, to that's his, not as bad. Yeah, that was growing, <laughs> it was growing from his head. But I also... Yes. So how do you go into this event with that thing on your head and not realize that there's somebody sitting behind you? Yeah. It, it's, uh, there are a couple of solutions here. Either make it removable or put like an LED screen behind that shows yes. the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, put an iPad back there. I think there's an element of I dare somebody to tell me to take this thing off, which, uh, yeah. Brian, your wife could not pull off. She no, would not enter no. with that no. kind of thing. It's it's the sort of Lori Lightfoot syndrome. Like, you get caught, you got two good checks, you're black and you're lesbian, and then you get caught going to the salon when you've told everyone to lock down and shelter in place, and your answer is, is hey, man, yeah. I care about what I look like. <laughs> That's an endangered species uh, I have no predators in the wild kind of answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a fat, redheaded guy with a white, you know, heterosexual, you got to go, I'm sorry, I understand. It's bad optics. Yeah. It's not going to happen again. You don't go, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and I dare Hirsch. you, come at me. Come at me because I will, I will play this fucking card if you come at me. I think there's an element of that. I wouldn't be surprised. Mo- yeah. She was with impunity. Every. Every single time someone went after Lori Lightfoot, she was just like, fuck yourself. Like, she didn't even pretend. Like, I think there's an element of if you have that status, you think, you start thinking in different ways. It's a horrible way to go through society. I went to a concert once and there was like a six foot nine, six ten guy in the, like, Dave Winfield. I know, might as well have been. And he knew every lyric to every song. He was having the time of his life. But people behind him were complaining that they could see the stage. So a security guard actually tapped him and went, you got to go to the back. And he looked and he went, I understand. And just walked to the back. The plight of the tall man. Yeah, he just, he understood. The chick, well, somebody of Dave Winfield's stature should have swapped out the seat of the person behind. 
just imagine you're going. To, I don't know who you know, the woman put it on was. The end, on the you know, yeah. the angles. So no one's behind uh, you. Yeah, right. I know there could. Yeah, there could have been a, a. Let's just place you over here. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're not addressing you in any of the jokes or anything. But I mean, you. She really stood out. Anytime they cut to that, even during the monologue, that's when I first noticed her was in Kimmel's monologue. Like, but you made it. She made it three and a half hours without anyone tapping her on. On the shoulder, presumably I'm waiting it, for a comment. It was her. removable. Well, all of all of Twitter, everybody's been talking about her. Like, yeah, she's it, it's a <laughs> the guy <laughs> next to her leaning over. I wonder, but was she just sort of sitting? I mean, she wasn't really in general pop, right? She was no. with the celebs. Oh, yeah. She was with the celebs, yeah, for sure. I mean, she, yeah, she's for, she, by that's the way, Florence Pugh in front of her. She's taken out three people behind her. <laughs> she's this is this is a ripple effect of. Two or three chairs behind and then deep probably yeah, as yeah. well. You went even behind the woman behind her. We just start a GoFundMe page for uh, the chick behind her. I think so, too. Just yeah. to give her money? Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> give her, buy, her, buy her seat next year. Let's All right. What else? We got year. any other Oscar oh, yeah. stories? Oh, of course. So let's see. Oh, Hugh Grant. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Please. I missed this. So okay. I so let's. So Hugh Grant also got pulled probably during the monologue because he was giving a very, uh, very short interview. Like he was, he was short with the inter- interviewer, okay. right? So um, here's him talking to somebody uh, in the pre-show, and she's asking him questions, trying to get answers about his outfit, about his appearance in Glass Onion, and everyone thought he was being a little curt. Um, what are you most excited to see tonight? To see? Yeah, well, I know that you probably watched a few of the movies. Are you excited to see anybody win? Do you have your hopes up for anyone? Um, not, not, no, no one in particular. Okay, well, what are you wearing tonight, then? Uh, just my suit. Your suit? Who yeah. made your suit? You didn't make it. Um, I can't remember. My tailor. That's okay. Yeah. Ta- shout out to the tailor. Yeah. Um, so hard. tell me, what does it feel like to be in Glass Onion? It was such an amazing film. I really loved it. I love a thriller. How fun is it to shoot something like that? Well, I'm barely in it. I'm in it for That's about three say. seconds. I had yeah, forgotten. but still, you showed up and you had fun, right? Uh, almost. Okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you. Yeah. Watch your body language right, here. He's so ready, ready, I mean, ready the, to go. These things are the most insipid interview, interviews. I know. Great go, use go, of yeah, but still. Yeah, but still. No. Yeah. I mean, and he went He went to the Elliot Gould School of Interviewing. <laughs> yes. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it was just, so everybody was talking about how rude he was and, and how, oh, how he it just wasn't didn't bad. Be I know. And she, I mean, her questions really weren't anything either. Um, but did, I thought his. You were uh, in Glass Onion. <laughs> I know. He was in it for that was a cameo, seconds, effectively. Yeah. Um, I did thought, I did think his presentation was good uh, when he presented I missed Andy that McDowell. I missed. so let's watch that it's, okay. it's good it's a good joke he's with whom Andy McDowell <laughs> oh. <laughs> lovely to be here it is lovely uh, we're actually here to do two things the first is to raise awareness about the vital importance of using a good moisturizer <laughs> Andy has been wearing one every day for the last 29 years I've never used one in my life still stunning uh, basically a scrotum he gestured to her, gestured to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. And uh, he's very charming. Yeah, so. yeah. Underrated actor. I uh, I agree. I listen. Those 
red carpet things. Like, first off, I, I don't know. Asking straight middle aged guys who you're wearing is sort of nuts because <laughs> yeah. they don't. They don't, I don't. I have no idea. They have no. They have no idea. It's just a tuxedo that their assistant got them. Friar tux. Right. Yeah. They they went to Gary's and they rented a, a tux. Uh, number one. Uh, what is uh, is black tie? So is is black tie mean tuxedo or can it mean just black tie with a black suit? I think a black tie with a black suit still suffices. I th- the tie itself, as I understand it, doesn't matter. It can be a bow tie or a tie. It describes, I think, the tuxedo suit. You can wear a tie with it or you can wear the bow tie. So if, a, if an invitation like Byron Allen Uh-oh. says black tie... <laughs> Does that mean tuxedo? I think it means black black suit jacket, black yeah. tie. It means don't get crazy with the suit. Yeah. But it means tuxedo first and or a black suit? I think both of them are okay. Like, yeah, I, I think you can get away with it uh, if you're Dave Winfield or Adam Carolla. Yeah. Just a regular but, suit. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, look so, it up. I'm curious. Your suit looked the, the really actual... good. That was probably the best suit I've ever seen you in. Oh, thank you. Men are requested to wear a tuxedo, but can opt for a dark suit. Ooh, not even black. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So that was my my out. Do we have uh, one more? Yeah. Okay. So uh, also everyone's talking about Morgan Freeman. So there are some weird interstitial segments. Like they did a, a Little Mermaid promo in the that middle. That was odd. Yeah. Like we're a uh, little. They, I've never seen that. Like, but they, Disney said, just... fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> when this on. <laughs> right. So they yeah, they did a Little Mermaid promo. And then they did like a an ode to Warner Brothers. Yeah, and that was under the auspices of introducing sound yeah, into a film. Right, and by the way, um, a big theme for the entire Oscars was thanks to everybody for getting back into the theater, right? Like yeah. Bringing everybody back together, and everyone seemed to be happy about that. But Morgan Freeman introduced this Warner's brother, the Warner Brothers uh, presentation with Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh and, God. and went to a commercial. Yeah, well, right? those all went oh, to Warner. Commercial. No, right. went to a Warner Brothers. Yeah, but sorry, they, after oh, right. that, then went to a commercial. Yeah, yeah so it's it, they were weird, like like weird bump outs to these to these uh, things. But everyone's talking about that. Morgan Freeman was wearing a black glove on his left hand. I noticed that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to notice that when you have Margot Robbie on your elbow. <laughs> but um, but everyone's wondering what that was. So I'll just clear it up. In two thousand eight. Morgan Freeman was in a serious car accident when his car flipped multiple times on oh, a Mississippi we were on, highway. We were on the radio at that point. Yes. It, was, it, was, it involved some extramarital situation. Do you remember that? I remember. Like he was riding with someone who was not his wife. There was a whole thing. I remember. It kind of went away. <clears throat> there, was, there was a thing. Now, I remember the accident. I remember we we're doing morning radio. I remember it was like in Louisiana or something like that. And I remember finding out with, that his wife was significantly younger or something, but I, it does. There is a feminine component to the I accident. Remember this. I remember this. So my memory, there was some scandal that kind of went away because everyone loves Morgan Freeman and yeah, right. it just kind of all mm. fell apart. Yeah, well, we'll see if we can yeah. figure that one well, out. So the accident nearly fatal left his uh, hand paralyzed. Oh. They had to use the jaws of life to extract him from the vehicle. And um, so he suffered severe nerve damage and wears a compression glove to keep the blood flowing uh-huh. in his oh. hand. So, and that's why it. that's why he's wearing that glove. It's an elbow length glove. Glove. Mm. As he, black so. black glove fair. There's a lot of. Uh, I wonder if it's infused with copper. <laughs> Probably <laughs> a lot of copper being yeah. infused should, with. Things. I know you should sell a signature glove on, on all the stations. Is anyone else <laughs> suspicious about 
the fact that copper pennies are no longer in circulation, but they've now entered every glove that <laughs> Brett Favre wears and every oh. back support that Jerry Rice wears. I don't think it's a coincidence. We I, need the copper. Well, it's a precious commodity. Yep. People are pulling copper power wires, lines and yep, wires. Yep. It's, it's Pipes. So now I haven't seen a penny in six years, but I have seen a thousand commercials with Brett Favre. That's a really good point. I think that copper's been reclaimed and it's going into socks. All right. That's a conspiracy theory I can get behind. Yeah. So, so some, yeah, other, some other changes to the Oscars I noticed, too. Can we start Margot Robbie for another few minutes? We, yeah, we can leave it up while we talk about In this. In 2018, CNN reported eight women accusing of Freeman, Morgan Freeman for, for flirt, flirting? Flirting. Flirtatious behavior. behavior. I don't, it's not, I don't, what is that? First off, this is the problem with not being able to define anything anymore. If you are <laughs> sitting on a set with a 28-year-old attractive woman and you're asking questions, it's, it's technically flirting. Yeah. Now, so you know, you have a boyfriend flirting. Yeah, right. So it's same, relationship? Well, flirting. yeah, and, and inevitably there's some comment that gets made where they go, I've had a boyfriend for for 2 years and you go, a he's guy. a lucky guy and that's like now we've crossed some boundary somewhere. Um all right, is our guest here, by the way? No? Oh, okay. Yeah, he is right Sorry. Here. Yeah, Paul Bryant's here. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, also, there's another joke that I thought uh, had some, some uh, I don't know, an ode to you almost. He, uh, Kim was talking to James Hong mm. with, uh, oh, yeah. from Everything Everywhere All at Once. He was acknowledging because he's 94 years old. He's been in 200 movies. Uh, he's had like 650, oh, 650 movies and TV okay, shows. Yeah. yeah, it's like 650 credits. So there he is. <laughs> See, he's got days a year. Yeah. Yeah, so here's, here's Kimmel acknowledging him. James is a legend. James has been in more than 650 movies and TV shows. He didn't even start acting professionally until he was 25 years old. Before that, he was a civil engineer who helped design the road system here in Los Angeles. And James, allow me to say you were one of our great living actors and one of our worst civil engineers. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. No, I actually pitched. Remember he said uh, he did the Judd Hirsch things like 82. So I said, we're going we're gonna to move up his category. I pitched he was going to move up his category and move back the in memoriam. <laughs> Good. Just in case. Oh, it's a great job. Uh, yeah, I, I think he thought it was a little morbid. A little morbid, yeah, a little morbid was, or whatever. Is, but I love it. I thought that's the the button for move up is category. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of morbid, I, uh, there's no clip for this. I didn't ask for it. I just thought of it. But Guillermo del Toro, they, they presented his award first, the one he won Best for animation. Pinocchio. Yeah. And he was already backstage or in the wings or something. I, I was wondering that, I too. I if he's in poor health. I think so, because he, he was kind of limping onto the stage. And it was, yeah, it was, you were wondering, why was he already waiting? Did he know he was going to win? But I bet they just queued him up there whether he was going to win case, or not. Yeah. yeah, just so you don't have to walk as far. He was also a heavy favorite, too. So they he might was, have been like, hey, Guillermo, come on, stay but here. I, he, is that, is Pinocchio awesome? He's very good. And is Puss in Boots awesome, Puss in Boots too? is legit great. I, I, I loved it. I see it twice. I cannot Puss is great. I hate it when they make a movie that I don't want to see, uh -huh. but it gets amazing reviews. Like yeah. Puss in Boots, it's 98% with the critics it's and so 99 good. with the people on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, I, I don't want to see that movie. Minions, 97%. Yeah, yes, I, I don't uh -huh. want to see it, but it's so can, incredibly reviewed. I would recommend you skip Pinocchio only because it's it's a remark. It's stop motion animation. It's, it's remarkable. Classic. Yeah, it's a remarkable achievement. It's 
Mm, it's more of an adult Pinocchio, you know what I mean? I, like I know. I watched the it, first twenty minutes. It's not and the I was whimsical sad. Pinocchio we all know and love. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, whereas Poison Boots is a fun movie, and it's streaming now on uh, Peacock, I think. All right, I shall. Uh, or Paramount Plus. One I other. shall watch. All right, let's do one more. All right. So um, also, uh, just some other changes to the Oscars that I noticed. One. How long have they been doing the camera angles to where the camera looks like it's right in their face, like in the presenters? That felt the, new. The, yeah, yeah like, to me, too. And uh, what Ki Hoi Kwan, the mm-hmm. uh, best supporting winner of Best Supporting Actor, short round. I mean, it, gosh, I I love that guy. He's just so energetic. So oh, he's a, yeah. Yeah, just the, Everyone loves him. Everyone how can, loves you, him. how can you not love him? So uh, I'm curious to see where that goes. And he gave Harrison Ford a big old hug during the best His picture. Star. I know. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And he, he acknowledged Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford, who kind of brought him up because he has a crazy story. Um, Did he do the uh, uh, Kiho? What? Kihei Kwan. Kihei Kwan. Give him a short round of applause joke. That's good. I know, but I, I wish. Did that. That's good. Yeah, because I'm. That was in the packet oh. or whatever. Oh, that's, that's a good I, one. Yeah, yeah we got to look at this packet. Yeah, yeah. See, all the jokes are solid. So I bet even the ones that that barely yeah. made the or didn't make the cut were still were, good yeah, jokes. Still would have been yeah. great. Um, and then also the VO, I thought was kind of interesting. Like, um, you know, whenever when anybody would win an award, you back in the day, it's like, oh, this is their this first. Is their first moment. Screen, now yeah. we're hearing facts about their yeah, life, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh, he's been studying movies and inspired by Steven Spielberg, and since he was a little I prefer, kid, I prefer the, the 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 sort of factual. This is their first Oscar. This is their second. oh, you do, you don't I, like. I prefer the yeah. Uh, when yeah, Michelle, I like that stuff too. I, th- I thought it was kind of funny when Michelle Yao won uh, Best Actress. She, uh, they were like, oh. This is their first award. She's um, she actually has no formal training in martial arts, believe it or not. Like I thought, oh, why would you give that away? Fun fact. Yeah, that was her fact. She's not has no formal training in martial arts. Back to uh, in memoriam. I don't, you know, like when we're talking about Anne Hache and we're talking about Sizemore and stuff like that. Like I, I feel the same way with uh, whatever the hockey player Bobby or Bobby Hull. Bobby Hull, any, like, any Bobby, any Bobby, like eh, he's a twenty-time All Star and mm-hmm. in the NHL Hall of Fame. Troubling comments about Hitler in, sure. in nineteen seventy-nine. Like I, it's just he's a legend. He died. That's enough. Well, if I want to go look him up, I'll, I'll go find his troubling comments. Sure, it doesn't need to be part of the ESPN. If, if you did a you did thirteen seconds on the guy dying, we don't yeah. need the troubling pass part. And I, mean, I don't. If you OD'd or you had a condition, I mean. Sizemore and Anne Heche had a disease, uh, essentially, and self-medicated for it on and off successfully and unsuccessfully for a long time. I... To me, they still have a body of work. Totally. For Christ's sake, she was in Volcano. (laughs) One of the Volcano movies. I just... Just put them up there. Yep. And God knows, by the way, the 96-year-old publicist who died you know, six months ago, who we've never heard of, I bet was a horrible racist. It's just not, it, it, we didn't have tweet, we didn't have Twitter. You know what I mean? That guy was like, I will not represent people of color. No, colored people, he probably said. You're going to edit past in memoriam now? There's colored no way folk. this publicist, who was, his prime was in the, the 50s, mm. was not uh, down with Jim Crow. Had some thoughts on, on integration. Right. Right. So Thoughts. you think you think they were purposely left out? I don't. I don't know. Well, then there's the Paul Servino well, part. So I don't know how it worked. OJ Simpson's the ultimate example, right? We still we, acknowledge that he was one of the all-time great running backs, won the Heisman Trophy, 
may have well, done some other things. That I thought you were talking about naked gun. <laughs> Dude, I love him for all that. I'm just saying, I don't want to know. Just if they have a body of work, they are included. Yeah. And we could make a little more room if we need to with a publicist and or a studio exec. Okay. We so, could boot them. So, one, we should start taking bets on if Phil Spector is going to be uh, – be in in an in memoriam. Interesting. I, I was. And, oh, oh! I got a story for you guys. Please. Yeah. We'll write that down. And we'll lastly, b- before we get to that, too, do you think Robert Blake should have been included? Because Kimmel made that well, joke, and Robert Blake obviously not in the in memoriam. I'm I'm glad you said that because I'm the you know I I know a little about movies. I struggle to think of any movie Robert Blake is prominently in. I guess he's more of a TV yeah. guy. Yeah. It, can yeah. anyone, does anyone know no. a movie that Robert Blake, like you think of Robert Blake, and oh, he's in that movie. Uh, he was in Truman Capote's. Um, but it, but even if he was in shit. one or two movies, like you get some people who you don't, you've never even heard of yeah. as like a publicity executive or something like that. Too, he was so. in a huge movie with the Truman Capote story r- written um, in Cold Blood okay. or, or was it in Cold Blood or something? I, that, I think that's his claim to fame. We well, can figure out like from point. a million yeah. years ago, but it was, big, it was a big, it was a big thing, but yes, he's Beretta. Like, Whereas Sizemore was in no huge notable Oscar sure. winning movies and was a big, great part of those. Yes. All right. So then will Sizemore be in the, the next, next year? Should I, be. I think he would. I think he absolutely I th- should. I think they. I think it's conveniently long enough that they're going to forget. All right. Uh, All right. So I got a story to tell, when, and 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 I I love it when things make sense. I love it when you go, but why? But why? But why? Like, I I'm a pattern person. I like to look at patterns, and it's always sort of, but why? And and this this thing has haunted me for for years but i i got i was able to settle it uh last weekend all right so i think what we should do is just take a break i'm not sure where jillian michaels is but we'll come back got thoughts on phil specter and i'll I'll tie it into the story reminded me we'll do that right after this For Nicaraguan Name That Movie with Adam's buddy Oswaldo. See if you can guess which movie this famous line is from. Hey, Dr. Johnny, you time for low, we be go company. If you said Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Hey, Dr. Jones, no time for love, we got company. You're correct. Now, back to the show. Love it. All right, so there's uh, this story that uh, Phil Spector reminded me of. First off, I was sitting on an airplane listening to Phil Spector stuff. I, I It was probably George Harrison stuff that Phil mm-hmm. had, had produced, and then I was listening to you know, Tears of Clown and stuff, and I was like, <coughs> he should have been allowed to kill three people for what he's contributed. <laughs> you, you, I mean, let's let's be honest. He's earned it. My dad shouldn't be allowed to kill anybody, not even a cockroach, because he's not contributed sure. to the greater good <laughs> the ledger of, is, of our society. Yeah, the ledger is uneven. Yeah, case. well, well, well uh, let's go extreme. Let's go extreme. Somebody said, uh, look, um, this person is going to cure cancer, mm-hmm. but they get to kill somebody 
not from cancer. And we're not going to convict them. Would you make that trade yeah. as a society? I'd go, yeah, That's an equitable I'll, trade. I'll, take, I'll take that one. You'd be a fool not Phil to. has brought so much joy to so many people Inspired. over such a period of time just that he should songs. be just able to kill just songs. at least one person. Absolutely. At least. So I was... <laughs> I was I signed off on that emotionally. And this is the beauty of being an atheist. You get to have these kinds of thoughts <laughs> and sleep like a baby. So I'm a huge Phil Spector. Now, I know he's not. So it, then that reminded me of that famous story. So I went over on uh, – I was in Vegas, and on Friday night, I went and visited uh, my buddy Pete Brock. And Pete Brock is the guy who basically is credited for going to GM and inventing the most uh, – designing the most iconic Corvette, which is the split window that the most expensive sought-after ones. And he was like 19 when he was at the GM. Then he goes over to Shelby and Venice Beach and the whole movie. And you know, it's funny, talking to old guys about people being – portrayed in movies you know i said to him uh ford v ferrari he's like Ugh. Oh. i didn't get any of it oh. right and i said but um <clears throat> god um the mechanic what the hell's uh sorry in, in that movie? movie in the movie it was um i'll think of i'll think of the guy's name phil remington phil oh, really? remington they called him rem yeah. but is in phil remington he was with gurney at the end i i mean he died you know recently but he was played by that actor as a kind of spindly goofy guy right he was a guy who was designing the brakes sure, sure. and drawing stuff out and stuff that that was phil remington so like a master mechanic i like you know? this character in the movie <clears throat> i did too but i was like pete phil you work with phil remington you know he's like <clears throat> not bad portrayal but you could see in the movie, when they'd be in Shelby's office, you could see in the background the plywood buck thing that they were building. They were building the uh, Shelby Daytona. That's the car that Pete Brock built. It's his opus. That's his opus. Okay. And and they built six of them. One was leading outright in Le Mans in 1964, but under rules, has stalled. It couldn't restart. Another one came in second overall. Mm-hmm. Lama, whatever. Um, he was the guy who sort of designed it and thought, oh, you know, the the Cobras are convertible. They're not slippery down the straightaway. We need aerodynamics. He found the old, like, German or French papers about aer- aerodynamics from the 30s, decided to do something crazy. Everyone thought he was a nut. Shelby said, you know, I got no money, but you got two months to build it. And he just built this aerodynamic body that was... 20 miles an hour faster on the Mulsanne straight, whatever. It turned out to be right about everything. Car went on to dominate, win everything, set all kinds of records. <clears throat> that car goes to Le Mans, comes in second overall in 1964, um, then comes back to the States, goes to the Salt Flats, and sets a whole bunch of land speed records, endurance records, blah, blah, blah. Then goes from the Salt Flats back to Shelby shop, and Shelby's like, is anyone going to give me 3500 bucks for this car? <laughs> and everyone's like, no, we are not. We're done, and we moved on to the GT40 it's effectively in, in the movie. Us. There's nothing to do with this. So that car then ends up with Phil Spector. Phil Spector drives that car uh, loud and hot and everything else, gets uh, a bunch of tickets, 
Well, and he drives it like around. Like he as a drives beater. it around. He drives it to work. Okay, he's a daily he, driver. Phil Spector gets the car, which is, you know, this is 1965, 66. You know, didn't have the stringent, you know, rules and regulations. But those cars had, because of like FIA rules, Lamar rules, like they had to have a spare tire have working signals, working headlights, like working brake lights. They had rules. And and so it was like maybe it needed a glove box or something. They have weird Lamar rules. So that that car was sort of street worthy, even though it was insanely loud and fast and hot and everything else. But Phil, Phil gets the car and paints on the side of it with like a sign painter all the records that it holds. In white paint on the side of the car, then eccentric. Uh, drives it around, gets a bunch of tickets, and ends up giving it to his security guard. That's right. Then his security guard dies and, and leaves it to his daughter. And uh, it, it eventually ends up in the Simeon Museum. Dr. Simeon just died recently, and I went and saw it in the Simeon Museum. Now, so I'm sitting there with Pete Brock, and I'm saying to him, first, these cars had no value several years ago, and even 20 years ago, they weren't worth that much. You know, I don't know, two, three million bucks, but not now they're 30 million bucks, you know. So Pete wishes he kept one for himself, but nobody wanted one back then. And I, But I said to him, now, here's what bothered me, and I was always stuck on this because I had heard the story. The story goes that the old woman... The woman gets it from her dad, who's who's uh, Phil Spector's uh, security guy, and I guess he dies and just leaves it to her. She puts it in a garage in like Alhambra, California, single family home, shuts the garage door, never opens it again. And at some point, years later, like 20 years later, maybe more. Word starts getting around that car. Where is that car? Because some were accounted for, but they only made six of them, and they're hand built and they had crazy history. And now Shelby's name on it, and they're like, "Where is that car?" And somebody figured out where it was, and Carol Shelby uh, showed up himself, like knocked on the door. She wouldn't open the screen, like she would not let Shelby in to try to buy that car because. Wow. That was a crazy piece of Shelby history, and it's winning his car. It was the first car to win the Manufacturer's Championship for the United States, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but I say to Pete Brock, I say, um, so I don't get it, but 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 eventually she does sell the car to this Simeon guy, the old woman. No, you're not, she's not even that old. She sells it to him. And then goes out on a hike and sets herself on fire. Crazy. Okay. Right. So I was like, I don't get it. Why did she not sell to Shelby? And then she sold this other guy. And then she set herself on fire. It doesn't make sense. And he said, no, she never sold it. Her her mom sold it. She oh. set herself oh. on fire. Oh, that's and then her it. mom sold it to Simeon. And I'm okay. like, all right, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, but... Why did this old middle-aged woman who I think worked for the post office or something in this house, in this small house, 
with this $3 million car just sitting in the garage. How come she didn't sell it and like go to Hawaii or retire yeah. or something? I, I could never like, why yeah. wouldn't you sell this car? It didn't really mean anything to yeah, her. Why she, hold on to it? Her dad was just what? given the car by Phil Spector. It, she had, and she would not, she didn't have money. Sure. So I was like, it, it always <laughs> vexed me. Well, uh, why not sell the car? I why not sell the car? Pete about this. Pete, what the fuck? Insider it's, info. First thing out of my mouth. I went to his house in Vegas. I was like, I need to know. He goes, he goes, she had a horrible, contentious divorce. They probably argued over the value of the car, couldn't figure it out or whatever. And the stipulation was when the car sold, he gets half. Uh, And uh, she's thinking to herself, this sack of shit who has nothing to do with this car. My dad gave me this car, right? My My dad gave me this car and this cheating alcoholic guy who whatever, when I sell it, I'm going to have to cut him a check for like $1.5 million and I can't do it. It was a a spite keep. I can't do it. Yeah. And I was like, now it makes sense. Yeah, it immediately made sense to me that he could not he could not do it. Yeah, there's a picture of the car. With, with the records emblazoned on the door? Yes, that was pulled out of the garage somewhere out here. So it was nice because for 10 years, I was like, sell the car, get your $3 million right. and I go on, on vacation. But... Or if it was like, even if it's like, well, sell the car, then you got to pay taxes or something like that. Yeah, I, I get it. But if you hate someone's guts who has nothing to do with this car. Better keep that car in the garage. And you know you're going to have to pay him a million dollars when the car sells, then you go light yourself on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lose is more powerful than the win for her. Right. <laughs> right. right. She lost hard. All right. Uh, no Jillian today. Scheduling oh. uh, mishap. But Brian will hang in. We'll Sorry take, about that. We'll, we'll take a quick break. <laughs> And we'll do uh, the news right after this. In celebration of Jim Carolla's upcoming 92nd birthday, here's a list of 92 things Jim Carolla has never done. Number 32. Used lineman dykes. Just one of 92 things Jim Carolla has never done. Let's get back to the Adam Carolla Show. All right, we got some news, Max Pata. Yeah, so let's let's kick it off with uh, news about Ja Morant. So you know who that is? He's like one of the new faces of the NBA. Plays for oh yeah, Grizzlies. So there's, oh I got I got some basketball stories Please. to start this off. So he got in trouble um, not that long ago for doing an Instagram live video and flashing a gun. Mm. Did you hear about that? Mm-mm. To so, my recollection, the gun was especially small. It like was a, like a Derringer. It was it was tiny, it was a noisy cricket, and he just flashed it onto the screen and put it up. But it was all Instagram it's a live, nice so people are watching. Mm-hmm. People are watching this live, and uh, the NBA decided to act. They're, they're talking about suspending him. It was a big, it was a big, big deal, and so now everyone's kind of um, one. They're just saying, "Look, why are you doing that? Why are you flashing a gun? You're you're one of the young faces of the NBA. You do a lot of stuff with kids. You're giving your charities, all that stuff." Stephen Adams, one of the uh, NBA vets on his team, even Australian. had a, yeah, Australian. Uh, he even had a meeting with the team like one or two days prior to this incident, going, "Hey, we got to stop going out and being <laughs> idiots, guys. 
And everyone's like, he's directing that to Joff. Yeah, right, Pops. Right. Yeah. Like, Come on, let's just focus on the task <clears throat> at hand here. So Joff flashes that, and everyone is talking about that. But now there are other things that are happening. So now the strip club that he was at where he did the oh. Instagram Live video, they posted video and pictures of him, like secure surveillance video of his room. And it, according Wait, to pl- can they do that? I guess they can. Well, you can, but should you? It's kind of the right, big right, answer, right? right? So our big question. So um, they said that he spent at least fifty thousand dollars during uh, during his uh, his appearance at the strip club. If you look at some of the pictures here, um, the entire floor of this private room is just covered in dollar bills. It looks like <laughs> like you know when, like some of those restaurants have the peanuts sure, on the floor. Sure, sure. There's yeah. nowhere else to walk. So there's there's uh, and everybody is now saying. Look, yeah, he should be spent for the gun thing, but why are you putting pictures up of the yeah. strip club? Like, this is a private thing. He's getting, like, You're a lap dance. Law. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the big the big question now. Is the, Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. So, and then I guess you're going to get into Kemp? Was it who? Yeah. Yeah, I'll get into oh, Sean, Sean Kemp. Kemp. <clears throat> Sean Kemp in a sec. So, yeah, so the Sean. Jaw, Jaw's gun was comically small. Like, I don't know uh-huh. if you have a picture of it, but sure, the video I saw, it. It, was like, it was like a Derringer. He held he's it with, six, like, his, his thumb yeah, and an index. He's like well, where was seven. he? He was at a strip club in Colorado. It's like, bro, oh, this, why? Isn't, this isn't doing what you think it's doing for you. Why is he... Why is he streaming or Instagramming or something He's from young. the strip club? It's social media. You know, you're mm-hmm. just he was just dancing in front of the camera and like he was maybe maybe a, a few views. Yeah. But at the same time, I actually think they said that he didn't drink. Like so, but he's just young. He's all he he's known for the gritty. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah sure. so you know he, he's always on social media doing that stuff. He, um, his dad looks really young too. His dad looks like Usher. I don't well, know if you've seen him. Well, on, he is really young on the uh, on the court. He sits courtside for all the games, and uh, he's become a celebrity. No, himself. Chris, that's Usher. Oh, that is, that Usher. is actually Usher. I mean, about. could you imagine <clears throat> you guys, me? You know, we're all sort of old or soon to be old parents. Hmm. But once in a while, like one of these. Guys, they knock up their high school girlfriend. The guy ends up being an NBA baller. And you're sitting in the fucking bleachers watching your bonus baby running up and down the court. And you're 39 and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean could you, I, I, you know. I, you know, I am old now, but when when I was like thirty nine, I was like young, like I was like a kid. I like, could you imagine just this kid's? He's just signed a deal for one hundred and twenty two million bucks, and you're just sitting there in your perfect health, just yep. watching this Prime of your life workhorse yeah. run up and down the court. God damn. I know. It's beautiful. <laughs> I know. Statistically, <laughs> though, that dude knocking up the girlfriend, statistically. May not end up in the NBA. <laughs> may not. Yeah. Yes. So um, so I think Coca-Cola slash Powerade dropped their endorsement of job because of the gun mm-hmm. thing. I mean, yeah. So who knows what will happen with Too it. Too uh, Speaking of NBA players with guns, Sean Kemp also in the news. They uh, didn't recently. mind the strip club part, though, right? No. I mean, it's well, no so secret I, that NBA players go to strip clubs. No, that. Like, that's, that's how James Harden <laughs> picks his next team. It's where, who has the best strip club. <laughs> but it's no secret a lot of them have guns as well. I, I, here's all I'm saying. 20 years ago, certainly 30 or 40 years ago, it would have been a bigger deal that he was in a strip club than with the gun. Oh, yeah. 
wasn't it controversial when scores got busted, all the athletes that were going there? The Gold Room, whether that yeah. was in Atlanta, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Patrick I'm just Ewing saying, if you went back to the 70s and you said this guy got in trouble because he had a gun and he was in a strip club, you would say he's in trouble because he was at the strip club, totally. not with a gun. Yeah. Right. Right. And you don't even know if it was his gun or not. I mean, he just he just <laughs> held it up for the screen and put it away. Like, it literally was one and a half seconds. Could have been that. his friend's pea shooter. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah, we, we, didn't, we don't know. I could have could have had that orange tip on it. So Sean Kemp, former uh, Seattle Supersonics, superstar, yeah. yeah. So he was just released from jail. Um, so he was first off. This is how it was reported: Sean Kemp involved in a drive-by shooting, mm-hmm. right? And there's video of him outside of a mall parking lot, definitely, um, definitely shooting a gun at people. Oh my! Yeah, and um, and look, I, I love Sean Kemp. I grew up watching him and Gary Payton. So it was it was a bummer to see to see all that. And um, but now uh, his lawyers have, have released a statement, kind of explaining what happened. So I'll just read it to you. Quote, late Tuesday evening, Sean Kemp's vehicle was broken into and numerous items were stolen, including an iPhone. So on Thursday, Mr. Kemp, Mr. Kemp tracked his iPhone to an occupied vehicle in a shopping mall parking lot in Tacoma. When he approached the vehicle in an attempt to retrieve the stolen property, individuals inside the vehicle shot at Mr. Kemp, who then returned fire in oh. self-defense. There was not a drive-by shooting as previously reported, and Mr. Kemp's actions were reasonable and legally justified. Okay. Yeah, so. but there's there's film of him like standing 30 feet away from right. wherever, like, shooting at a car or person or something not really retreating but yeah here it is and then there's film of him throwing his gun in the bushes when he drove away so that's the yeah. problem so he's booked for investigation of felony drive-by shooting oh here you can hear some of those shots yeah yeah and um imagine just walking down the parking lot and see this is in seattle like you're, you're, like, like, hey, you're man, man. Camp shooting a gun at people yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, and he's uh, so he actually has a really successful cannabis business. Oh, yeah. Now. Like he's so curious to see what happens with that. But that's what they're saying. He's like, look, he he tried to get his iPhone back, and okay. they weren't play. They weren't happy with it. Yeah, but uh, maybe they shot first and he shot second. But he also dumped his gun in that's the bushes and then didn't call. Like I I don't know. My feeling is is. If if you track your phone down, then you call the cops, and the cops meet you at the place where the phone is. You don't get a pistol and show up I'll to go get it. Although I, I like the frontier justice part of it, but uh, yeah, he may yeah. be in trouble. So NBA players <clears throat> with guns. All right, <clears throat> so let's move on to uh, a, a Vegas story. So, and by the way, for those listening, uh, since we released this episode a little early, please go back and listen to Adam's interview with Pendulette. That okay. we did in Vegas is beautiful. So speaking of magicians in Vegas, David well, Blaine. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to August about Penn Gillette. Yeah. And I was like, um, we got to adjust the screen, my screen and the big screen, too, as well. Um, so we'll get into that in a second. Or you can figure that one out. Um so Pendulette is 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 a, he's a certified genius. He's just the smartest guy in the world. Um, and Pendulette's always been a great conversationalist. But but I would say this interview was exceptionally good, hmm. and it's because Pendulette has always had the IQ 
and always had the information. It's always been there. But he had attitude as well because he was a younger dude. And he it wasn't he didn't have a chip on his shoulder, but he had like energy with it. And Mike was like, well, what's why is he so great now? And I was like, because he still has the same intellect and the same information. And when dudes get older, they just turn it down. Mm -hmm. They just don't have the energy and the attitude or they're not compensating or feeling like I got to be the smartest or funniest guy in the room or whatever that thing is. Men get much better when they get older. Women turn to shit. They go fucking batshit crazy. They get nuttier as they get yeah. older, and men get mellower. The pendulette you saw in, in that Vegas room was a delight. I loved them. A delight. Yeah. Pendulette, traditionally, I, mean, I wouldn't call him prickly, but he can be like, you a know, cervic. he can be a little cervic. Like, mm. you're going to have to kind of... You would in the in the day kind of be on your games. You said something stupid. He would spar he would, with him. Yeah, he would spar with him. He, you'd say something dumb. He would disagree with it. He would like call it out. There was like there was a little Bill Mars getting a lot more mel. You know, yeah, Bill uh, the, Jay Moore, Dane Cook. <laughs> that's right. These guys they get these were guys that were sort of prickly guys who liked to spar, and that was in their thirties and forties. As they head into their 50s and through into, into their 60s, they keep all the good elements they had, minus the sort of prickliness, the attitude or whatever, and they just become delights. Yeah. That's that's how it works. Yeah, I remember when we've had a few a few people who kind of fall under that category as guests, and you've told like me who? that. Oh, I, Jay Moore, <laughs> uh, Dane Cook. Well, just people that – sure. Mellow with it. Yeah, Jeremy Piven, even like people yes, who like Piven's a who good are example. really n notable for maybe being jerks when they were younger. And then Adam talks him now, and Adam's like, they're a delight. And he says, he told me, those are my favorite people, like, like people who kind of just kind of figured it out and just became really nice. Like, they over have to overcompensate. Yeah, they overcompensate. For <laughs> yeah, a little forgiveness tour, I guess, when you're uh, doing press. Yeah, but, but that was Penn was all the good qualities of Penn. Minus any of the sparring prickly yeah. uh, baggage that came along with the old version of him. Yeah. And uh, that's why it was a delightful conversation. I agree. All right. So David Blaine. He's mm. another guy. I know. He's, a, he's another guy. <laughs> yeah. So he was performing in Vegas. And uh, he he was doing his show at the Resorts World, which is that, that new hotel mm. on the strip there. And toward the beginning, he jumped from a, a nine-story scaffolding structure within the theater into a foam pit. Mm -hmm. But then during the show, he starts complaining about pain a little bit. And people in the audience are wondering what's going on. And he expressed over his mic that uh, he dislocated his shoulder. Right. And he's going to have to try to have crew members work on it live. So you're all, with, when it's David Blaine, you're always wondering, is this a bit? Right. Like, sure. um, so, well, the stagehands couldn't get it done. So then David Blaine decides to ask for any doctors in the crowd. Wow. And uh, and once again, people are still wondering, is this a bit? Because people came up and started doing this. But then people are tweeting, I don't think this is a bit because this has been going on for like seven minutes and he hasn't done anything. <laughs> and there's actually video of these doctors on stage trying to pop his arm back in. That's wow. Not good. That, what we're looking at is not good showmanship. This would not be a good no. bit. No. No. Yeah, so looking. Yeah. So they're actually working on him. By the way, th th all right, this is my thing. This is Airplane Doctor. Dr. Drew loves this. Yeah. 
He doesn't like Dr. Jill Biden being Dr. Jill Biden and all the doctors that aren't actual doctors. If, if they say, is there a doctor in the house? That means you're a doctor. If there's a doctor on this flight, that means you're a doctor. Jill Biden does not get to stand up when he yells, is there a doctor in the house? Because her doctoral is in, you know, children's right. adolescent, you know, uh, learning or whatever, whatever the hell she's got. Right. If you're, if you're in a flight with, with Joe Biden and, and Dr. Phil, yeah. And, yeah, that's right. and, are there dogs in here? Julius they would, Irving. They would, yeah. They, they would slit like they would slap Talking to their to chair. You. Like, Oh, don't look at me. That, I, that would be my, my, my fantasy would be to have Jill Biden and Dr. Phil and anybody who abuses the term doctor, who does not have any actual medical ability. I would love to just see them in a and all together on the same commercial flight. I would have my friend fake a heart attack and then I would yell, "Is there a doctor on this flight? Is there a doctor on this flight?" And I would look at him right in the face. I'd look at Dr. Phil and well, Jill Biden and go, "Dr. Jill, Dr. Phil, is there a doctor on this flight?" They just have to sit there and pretend they're oh, eating their hummus. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, so they Anyway, they popped his shoulder back in, oh, and, and he finished the show. Wow! So yeah, David Blaine. I mean, he a lot of a lot of his illusions and tricks do involve some pretty physically yes. demanding yeah. stuff. So I yeah, badass. He finished the show. Yes, shades of Mel Gibson from oh, Lethal Weapon. Lethal he Weapon. He popped his shoulder oh, gosh, back yeah, in. Yeah, with the right. end of the tree or something. He just ran I into it. I think at one point he was underwater, maybe. He dislocated his shoulder out of a straight trying jacket. trying to get out of a straight jacket. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. As a guy's had his shoulder out, all the sympathy <laughs> in the world, that is a painful, painful process, Popping that shoulder that being in. out. Ugh. Yeah. Um, let's see. So Rain Wilson was trending over hmm. the uh, weekend. Oh, yeah. So um, there's a show, The Last of Us. I know Brian probably doesn't watch it. He doesn't watch TV. Adam doesn't watch it because it's based off a video game. I watched it. I loved it. It's popular. Yeah. Is it zombie? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I'm fucked out with zombies. I, I hear it's good. I just it's really I'm about the people and how they react around well, the zombies. I'm really out. <laughs> uh, so there, Rain tweeted this tweet, and everybody's been talking about it, and I'll just read it to you. Quote, I do think there is an anti-Christian bias in Hollywood. As soon as the David character in The Last of Us started reading the Bible, I knew that he was going to be a horrific villain. Could there be a Bible-reading preacher on a show who's actually loving and kind? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty decent point. Yeah, and so I everyone's mean, been kind of commenting on yeah. that. I just want to hear your thoughts. It's a storytelling trope, right? I mean, it's the the the, te the priest who ends up being a time monster, or the teacher who ends up being evil. It's it's the, the, the That's dichotomy. exactly what he was. <laughs> yeah, it's the dichotomy between, you know, you think one thing, it's a misdirect, and here's the other thing. Well, I think what people complain about, which is, we're always it's the sort of heterosexual white. I don't know if the guy was white, sort was of white. religious guys. Just it's an easy, safe target. Sure. No one will get offended. You're not going to get any letter except for from Rain Wilson. And and we can go about our, our lives. And if you made this guy Muslim or something or there are other religions or, or other groups, then it ends up sort of coming back to the safe guy. It's the trope of. The husband being the dope in the detergent mm -hmm. commercial, it's like they're not going to get any letters. But at a certain point, it's kind of fucked out. Like there's no yeah. fucking way uh, every husband is a dope who can't who can't clean things or make food or, or do do anything. Dawson, how about Denzel in the Book of Eli? Ooh, he was black. 
Still is. I think. Blind? He, he, was he blind he, in that one? Yeah. And he, he had the Bible. Yeah. And yeah, he, he quoted the Bible. I like when they turned the so trope So he was a good guy. Tip, you know, but that was the last one I could think of. Yeah, it's 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 just an easy target, and yeah, yeah I don't think 100%. I don't think they are fond of r- r- organized religion uh, either. So, well, not Christianity, the, uh, you know, Judeo Christian stuff is they're, they're not they're not fans, but that's but but all that's what creatives do they, they push back against uh, what was, yeah. yeah. But it would have to be a white guy because the brothers are pretty church going and when they you can't make fun of them at church right it would have to be a white dude it's not just christianity the, the, the black church is celebrated yes, yes. <laughs> that's true it's more the white uh, evangelist type guy but it's a trope i get it but yeah i don't know a little lazy a little lazy yeah i'm with brian turn it on its head uh, yeah there you go um oh uh, like uh people what's are... rain wilson is he's very re- religious I don't, I've never known him. To yeah, be. I don't. I don't. I don't know him to be either. Well, you um, went to lunch with him, and, uh, well, and they had uh, dinner live on stage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I thought, and he found something. Was it somebody was saying to me that Rain Wilson has become a Unitarian or something, or he, he believes in vegan rights or something? Oh, he like changed his name for a minute. <laughs> I think it was just like a maybe it was is in uh, accordance with like like PETA or something. I forget what it was, but he like changed his name for a second too. I forget to what, but meatloaf (laughs) spare ribs. I wonder wonder if PETA hated meatloaf or tried to recruit him. That's right. The ultimate get. That's right. It's not for your cause. Yeah. Oh, I think it was for climate change. Actually, there's something I, I just heard something crazy about rain Wilson and why would he need to change his name for climate change? He's got rain right there, right in there. He, um, he changed it to Rainfall Heat Wave Extreme Winter Wilson. <laughs> Makes sense. Is it Wilson. snowing up by you when you're in uh, La Cunada? It's the hills very close by. Yeah, wow. Wilson's family are members of the Baha, Baha, uh, Baha'i Faith. Baha'i Faith. Uh, there's something. Somebody said something. So huh? there's something. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is either. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I, this is, in, once again, my PSA to stop stealing catalytic converters because another man oh, crushed right. to death. Oh, no. Um, while allegedly attempting to steal one in Georgia. So officers were called, and the man, Matthew Eric Smith, 32, was found dead under a car. And evidence at the scene indicates that he was killed while attempting to illegally remove a catalytic, catalytic converter from a vehicle. So you're yes. the car more, guy. More is, that people, an, is that an extra large catalytic converter or is that it just falling on the right place? Like his throat. I think the whole car fell yeah. on so it. You have oh, to jack I thought the, the catalytic converter itself. <laughs> no. Okay. no, no. You have to jack up the car and, uh, and get under <laughs> there and okay. saw the that thing makes off. makes a lot more sense. He must have missed the jack point. Yeah. yeah. He just, yeah, it just <laughs> fell on him. He was on top of a ladder trying to reach a book and fell off <laughs> and died. And Brian's like, how much did that book that weigh? Book <laughs> weigh? <laughs> what book was that? That was on a bridge dictionary. cover? <laughs> yeah, it's the fall that gets you. Okay. I, think, I think it's the SUV ah. you're under that takes you out. Um, you know, it's weird. Most people, most people <laughs> I know. That was like a tractor Catholic converter. <laughs> <laughs> most people I know are against capital punishment um, right. The death sentence. They're they're against it for people that may have killed three people, 
But you get crushed by an SUV trying to rip off a Cadillac Convertible. Like, good. <laughs> all for it. That's all so for it. true. And it's yeah. like, why? How we have these same thoughts? Like the one guy did kill his mother-in-law, his uh, father-in-law, and then just the guy, I guess, at the house that night. Just, just he stabbed them all. And he We're, wasn't Phil Spector. You're definitely against that guy being put to death. But the dude who's stealing a two hundred and fifty dollars. Yep. This is. By the way, this is petty theft in, in California. He gets I don't even know. It's like, yeah, Frontier Justice. Too bad. That's You're Darwin right. taking the garbage out. It's Everybody like, online just is like, good. Good. <laughs> it's, this, is, this is almost a petty theft. Yeah. This is, it, it's like saying it's the guy walking into the Walmart in San Francisco and stealing 980 bucks worth of stuff. That guy should be killed. <laughs> you should have a car fall on You should have a car crush him. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, another story of a of a death and timely death. These right. listen here. Here are the the things everyone needs to focus on. These are the indicators. It has nothing to do, obviously, with Chris. It it hit home because he got his That's stolen. Right. But it really is more of a societal thing. It's like I, when I was behind the fire truck or the ambulance or whatever the municipal truck was the other day and it's like we have a drop free no questions asked like safety zone like if you don't want to raise your kid just drop them here no questions asked. no, no questions, questions asked. we'll have one of those drawers the bank used to have with the drive-through we'll yep. just slide <laughs> it out you slide your kid in pull it back it's <laughs> it's the barbed wire around the freeway signs it is it is a indicator of the collapse of a society. Yeah. Is is what is what I'm saying. It's it's sort of metal detectors in front of the schools, and th- these needle are signs. Exchanges. Needle exchanges. These are signs of a collapsing society. That I try to tell people. It, it's that people go, oh, it's just it's just about needle exchanging or dropping your kids off or. Uh, or catalytic converters, or freeway signs with barbed wire. It's, no, it's all a bigger picture of a collapse. The you don't want to live in a city that has these things going right. in it. That's that's what I'm saying. And the leaders of that city should should notice should should take notice that it's essentially. This is a $300 item. I don't know what they resell those things for. And we look thousand. for it. Is it a few? Yeah, they can re. Well, they cost you a few thousand to get a new one, right? No, they. Re- I think they resell for a few grand too. Or oh, oh, sorry, no, you're right. It cost me a few grand. I think it. I think they get like six hundred a pop or something. Yeah, this is this. This is essentially a part of your car that's worth six hundred dollars, and people are risking their lives, firing up sawzalls, doing it in the middle of the night to get a chunk of your exhaust to then go fence it somewhere for six hundred bucks. That's a bad societal sign. Catalytic converters have been on automobiles, and I don't know the modern version of it, but, you know, when we switch from leaded gas to unleaded gas, I think a lot of that had to do with switching to the catalytic converter. I don't think the catalytic converter works with the leaded gas. But either way, we've been doing this for 45 years. It, It only started 10 minutes ago. This this Armageddon began yeah. just moments ago. The car, you know, my dad's Seems Buick new. when I was in high school had a catalytic converter, no converter on it, and nobody cared. Since 2019, theft has skyrocketed skyrocketed 1,200 percent. Oh, bad 
indicator. All right, let's bring her home. I want to uh, give some plugs to uh, Paul Bryan. The Film Vault. Yeah. Check that out. New episodes every Friday, wherever you find finer podcasts. Shrinkage to Book. He'll personally sign a copy to you. It's a great book. Brian Bishop.com is where you go for that. Uh, me, Naples, Florida, off the hook. I think one of the shows is sold out, but there's still some tickets left to the other shows. Maybe it's the early show Friday that's sold out. We'll check into it. March 24th, 25th, and uh, Turlock, California coming up. Turlock? That, Turlock. time in Turlock. That'll be uh, April uh, 7th, and then Fresno, April 8th. Just go to mcrawl.com for all the live shows. Until next time, I'm Crow for Bob Brian and Chris Maxmata. Say it. Mahalo. Make sure you get a copy of Adam's latest book, Everything Reminds Me of Something. It's available everywhere. Finer books are sold. Leave us a voicemail at 888-634-1744. The Adam Carolla Show proudly uses Rode microphones, and our music is provided by Extreme Music. For tickets, info, and more, visit adamcarolla.com. Adam Carolla.